should also mention that um, with our kids, <laughs> kids going downstairs straight away, we, uh, our services would need to sort of be one hour tight, so we're just keeping it really simple um, with what we're doing. Um, this morning's passage is Colossians 3, 1 to 17. Before I, I read it, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, almost nine years ago, I was uh, ordained and commissioned on the same day as a pastor in this church. Um, probably around starting in January, around March, we had the ordination and commissioning service. And on that Sunday, I preached from this very passage. And uh, uh, actually, midweek, I tried to find that message and I've lost it. All my sermons, but I couldn't find that one. Uh, but I don't know if anyone remembers, I don't expect you to remember uh, the key points in that message. Um, but before I preached that, I actually, because I had someone who had come along and been a mentor for me, and part of the, the process, he'd encouraged me to memorize scripture. So he'd encouraged me to memorize that passage. And then he, he was here for my ordination, and I was preaching on the very passage he had taught me to memorize, and encouraged me to memorize. So I quoted it. By memory, they don't remember that. Here we go. Uh, so I thought I'd better give that a crack again today. <laughs> so if I get it wrong, because I haven't, I haven't actually spent a lot of time this week, you know, trying to get this perfect. So you're just going to have to sort of follow up on the screen if I make mistakes, and I, I might cheat a little bit. Okay. <laughs> right. So Colossians chapter three, verse, um, verse one to seventeen. Since then. You have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you die, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God, with God in Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you too will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, I've got it on the back screen there, I could be cheating. Um, hey, Mark. Sorry, your mic's not coming through. Can you use the handheld? Yeah. Put to death, therefore, everything that belongs to the sinful nature. Okay, thank you. Sexual immorality, greed, lust, uh, evil desires, and idolatry. Put to death, therefore, everything that belongs to the sinful nature, sexual immorality, impurity, uh, lust, and greed, which is idolatry. You used to walk in these ways in the life, but because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Um, uh, do not lie to each other, since you have taken off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. Here, there is no Jew or Gentile, uh, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all, and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, gentleness, humility, patience. Bear with one another. 
and forgive each other whatever grievance you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Let the peace of God reign in your rule in your heart, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of God dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another, with all wisdom, and with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, giving with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Okay, when I started out in ministry, I was a pastor at the Marian Church of Christ, is where I started out. And I remember when I, I married a couple, it might have been the first couple I ever married, they decided they wanted to receive communion as part of their wedding service. And so we, we needed to look around for a, a plate and a cup suitable for a wedding. And we didn't want to just have like a coffee cup or something, we needed a nice cup. Now, if, I was be, if I'd been in an Anglican church, perhaps, or a Catholic church, but they, they do sort of silver and stuff really well, but, you know, Church of Christ, Baptist, we don't do that sort of stuff particularly well, so we looked around for a cup, and at the back of one of the cupboards in the kitchen, we found this old black cup, and uh, that's the only thing we could find. It was metal, but it was all black and stained, and uh, but my person who I worked with, she said to me, I reckon it's silver. I reckon if you clean that off, there's, a, that'll be, there's underneath there is a silver cup. So I went and bought some silver, and I began to wipe away at this cup. And it was, it was really quite incredible. Because as the black just was removed, what was revealed was this silver, beautiful silver cup. And what to me had looked old, worthless, uh, pretty ugly, and like it was just rubbish that should be thrown out, I discovered it was something precious, valuable, beautiful, and useful. It hadn't changed before being cleaned and after. It hadn't changed in its essence. It's exactly the same thing. It's just that now its true identity had been revealed. This morning's passage is a passage about the revelation of our true identity as followers of Jesus. Or if someone is here listening and you're someone who's not yet made a decision or you're listening on the, the screen and, or the podcast or whatever and you've not yet made a decision to follow Jesus, this is about identity and Jesus and what it could mean for you to follow Jesus. Because the passage declares that actually our true identity is discovered in knowing and following Jesus Christ. And to know God, because God is our creator who made us, therefore knows us, and therefore reveals who we truly are. Um, we live in an era of identity politics. Uh, identity politics has become a big thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? Identity politics, gender, uh, sexuality, race, uh, these other things have become huge things that people grab hold of and sort of belong to and group themselves according to. And it's led to uh, the development of new words in our lexicon that have only existed for the last few years or the meaning has been changed. 
For example, if I said to you three years ago the word non-binary, you might think it relates to a computer programming or something like that. But now it relates to something very different, the whole gender, transgender thing. What about the, the phrase mansplaining? Has anyone heard of mansplaining? No? Mansplaining is when a, a male speaks to a woman or a group of females in a way that is condescending or patronising. Now, uh, Adelaide University was building a new building and they put up a series of billboards out the front of the new building and it had a picture of five people sitting around a table and one of them was talking to the other four, but the one talking was a male. And he was talking to four females. So this was considered mansplaining. And complaints were made and the poster was removed. Because that's the that's um, identity politics. Uh, taking the knee. Taking the knee, uh, I don't know, a few years ago it might have been something um, an orthopaedic surgeon did. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but now it's become a, obviously a reference to the Black Lives Matter movement, something sports people do before a game. So these new words enter our thing and they're tied to identity politics. Now without diminishing the reality that there are historical wrongs that need writing around race and gender and things like that, uh, there's something about this that really troubles me. Because it's actually trying to find your identity in these things like race and gender and sexuality. When the, what this passage is going to tell us today is that your true identity can never be captured in these things. There's a true revelation of who you are. The good news of Jesus is the thing that reveals your identity. Not in a religious sense where you adapt a label and say, well, I'm now Catholic or I'm now Luther or I'm now Baptist or even that, that I'm now Christian but in truly understanding, not a label, but who you are and who you were made to be. That's what I'm going to share about this morning in this passage. So let's dig into this passage a bit more. I think we're a church that loves the Word of God and loves to just look at it, so that's what I'm going to just do this morning. Since you have been raised with Christ, um, set your hearts on things above. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above and set your minds on things above. Um, heart and mind, this is the very core of who you are. It's your thoughts and it's your emotions. It's, it's who you are at the very centre. And it, it links back to this image of baptism, which Paul actually spoke about in chapter 2. And he comes back to us, to this idea, the symbol of baptism, that you've been raised to a new life in Christ. That the old life has actually died and you've been raised to a new life. He says, in light of that, set your hearts and your minds on things above. I think of heaven, think of heavenly things, think of things that are of God, not the things of this world. Um, Joe Biden is now the, uh, the president-elect of America. Um, in some circles that's a, uh, a controversial statement, but I think we can say safely that that's the case. And he is going to be heading to the White House, okay? He might have to share it with Donald Trump if he doesn't move out, uh, but that's what's going to happen. And if you, if you look at the media now, you'll see that Joe Biden is now speaking on the basis that he is going to be the president. He's speaking on the basis that he's going to be moving into the White House and that he's going to have that role. And so everything he's doing now is shaped by that future thing. He's not yet the president. He's not yet living in the White House. He's not yet, he doesn't yet have that role. But because he knows that's where he's heading, that every decision that he makes and the things that he's doing now are reflective of 
where he's going. What this passage is saying, because we know what our future hope is, the decisions we make now should be based on that. A lot of people uh, in this uh, in this day and age are actually the idea of pilgrimage and go walk doing a, a walk, a pilgrimage walk, like the, the Camino in Spain and France has become a popular thing. I don't know if you've heard of this, but people do a, a big long walk through France and Spain to reach a, a place called Santiago de Compostola. And there's a big church there. And it's a historical thing that people have been doing for centuries. And so people go on a pilgrimage. And when they, there's something about pilgrimage, I'll read a quote about going on a pilgrimage. The pilgrim is not to despise the comforts which he may meet on the way, nor is he to linger among them or leave them with regret. So if you're walking on a pilgrimage, it's okay to enjoy the countryside and the villages you walk through and the meals that you eat and catch up and enjoy time with the people that you meet along the way. You can enjoy that and you can, it's okay to stop and have a rest and have a drink and have a break, but your whole journey needs to be focused on the destination. And you don't stop and lose your way and go off track or just stop and say, I'm just going to settle here because you're no longer a pilgrim if that happens. So we are pilgrims on a journey. We can enjoy the blessings of life around us but we also need to not get so fixed in this world because we've got to remember we're actually passing through. Set your minds on things above, set your hearts on things above. It goes on to say this, when Christ who is your life, how often do we hear someone say, or we say of someone, they'll say, sport is my life, or uh, family is my life, or I've got here, dance is my life. It's something I say all the time. Um, <laughs> Um, or we might say of somebody, their career is their life, their business is their life, uh, a relationship they're in is their life. Now, for a Christian, we should say, Christ is my life. And everything else then comes under that. A business, a career, family, sport, even dance, um, comes under that thing, that Christ is our life. And everything else finds its place in that. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, we too will appear with him in glory. Now that's an incredible statement. When Christ appears in his glory, this says, we too will appear with him in glory. That's incredible. Hard for us to get our heads around that. And so what this passage goes and is talking about is saying, there are things that are locked away, there are things that are certain, there are things that are sure if you are uh, put your faith in Jesus. If you have made a commitment uh, that Jesus is Lord of your life, there are things that are guaranteed and certain, but there's also things that are uncertain and up for grabs. What is certain is that you have been raised to a new life. That's a spiritual change that has happened in your life through Jesus on the cross. You have been raised to a new life. That's certain. But what's uncertain is, will you live that new life? Does your, does your life and your choices reflect that you've been raised? Secondly, what's certain is that you are with Christ and in Christ. That's certain. It's not up for grabs. But what's up for grabs is, will you live in the fullness of that relationship and grow in that? What's not up for grabs is that you died spiritually to the old life. But what is up for grabs is, will you 
die to the old life and put it to death, or will you allow parts of it to come back and continue to be part of your current life, even though it's not spiritually part of your life anymore? That's the question. The silver cup was a silver cup the whole time. Doesn't matter whether it's clean or not. But the question is, uh, was it was it when it was clean? Was it you know able to be what it was meant to be? Was it living in the fullness of that? So that's what's up for grabs, and that's what's not up for grabs. Let me talk about. I guess a marriage might be a better illustration. When a couple get married at the front of a church, they make their promises. They sign the forms and then the pastor declares, I now declare you husband and wife. Are they married? Yes, they are. It is guaranteed. They are married. It is certain. Now, this would be crazy, but they could actually then walk out of the room and go their separate ways that night. Would they be married? Yes. Would they be living in the relationship that, that they're actually signed up to? No, they wouldn't. And that's the choice for us. We have been raised... We are in Christ, and we have been given a new life. How will we do that? The rest of this passage then is simply Paul expanding on this and talking about what the old life looks like that we need to put aside and what the new life uh, looks like that we need to take on board. And he starts off by saying, put to death, could there be stronger language than that? Put to death, therefore, everything that belongs to the earthly or the sinful nature. And he goes into a list that, that even to read it out is uncomfortable. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. And I was thinking about that list and how our society these days loves to talk about how we're such a progressive society. We're an advanced society now. We make great progress. A lot of people say, we don't need religion anymore because we're a progressive society and we don't need all that kind of old stuff. And then I look at our society and I say, well, how are we going in relation to these things? Because frankly, I see around our culture and our community these days plenty of sexual abuse and sexual violence, sexual addiction, cheap, loveless sex, broken, lonely people, and a whole lot of greed. And I say, how's our progress really going? Not so good, I don't think. In the midst of this, this uh, list of, uh, of kind of unpleasant things is a sobering verse. Verse 6. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. That's a, that's, a, that's a pretty brutal verse. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. And it says, you used to walk in these ways. This used to be your life, but now you've got to get rid of these things. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Lies. And the command is put them to death. I was thinking about someone who perhaps had had an addiction. Uh, they'd been through a, a season of their life where they dealt with an addiction. And then perhaps they enter a, a process of um, recovery and a course or a program and they come out of that and they're now free from that, but there's things that they're going to have to do to stay free from that. They're going to have to put to death certain things. They're going to have to put to death, they're going to have to, if they've still got the, the exact same friendship group and living in the same place, and they've still got even the paraphernalia and the equipment that they used, and they've still got all the same contacts, then the risk of them entering into that is far greater than if they're able to somehow make a cut in that and actually put to death some of those things. And as Christians, we've got to be very careful. We don't accept this, this sort of saying that goes, 
I'm just a sinner, you know, I'm a sinner, I'm just a sinner, that's all I am. No, in Christ we are holy and blameless in His sight. We are chosen and adopted. We are loved, redeemed and filled with His Spirit. And there should be a change in how our lives look because of the fact that we know and follow Jesus. And so what it says is this. Put that to death and instead do this. Put on the new clothes that fit the new you. Okay? There's certain clothes that go out of fashion after a time. Okay? Uh, there's certain clothes that just belong to another era. And if you've got them in your wardrobe, it's time to let them go. So you don't want to suggest some clothes that, that, that would fit that description. Flares, I agree. Flares, anything else? Safari suits? <laughs> Not if it's got very, okay. Anyone, anyone else? Bow tie? Oh, they've actually come back, do you know? Oh yeah, this is this is. <laughs> um, anything else? What about rara skirt? <laughs> still like a rara skirt? Okay. Oh, I didn't know what that is. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Nine o'clock. Dennis told me after service he was going to call out check shirts. <laughs> So uh, there you go. Who knows? Uh, but there's certain things that they've, they've, they've moved on and it's time to let them go. It's time to pass on. It's time to put on the new clothes. And that's what this passage is saying. It's time to put on the new clothes. Well, imagine if you were a tradie and then you studied to become a surgeon and then you get your first day in the surgery. Instead of putting on the, the green hospital gown, you walk in with your tradie clothes and your toolkit. So you've got the wrong clothes on for this situation. You've got to put on the new clothes that reflects who you really are, and, and, and you've got to do that, otherwise it's not working. And there's times when you've got to put some clothes away and bring out the new clothes. This passage says this. Clothe yourselves. The idea is that like every morning, knowing your identity as a follower of Jesus, as someone in Christ, every morning you need to get up. Every morning everyone, everyone gets dressed every morning. I don't just put on physical clothes. It says put on the clothes that reflect who you are as a Christian. These are the clothes that reflect who you are. Compassion. Put on compassion. A sensitivity to those suffering and in need. Put on kindness. Thoughtful, selfless words and actions towards another person. Put on humility. Having a realistic view of yourself, not being arrogant, but instead bringing yourself low, not in, in, in the right way to, to view others as better than yourself, rather than seeing as yourself as better than others. Gentleness means not behaving harshly or arrogantly or aggressively in your actions or words. Patience, the quality of being long-suffering, self-restraining. Bearing with one another. Bearing with means being able to put up with people who are a little bit hard to get along with. And, and we all know some, some of those in our life. Don't look around to anyone specifically right now. But some people are, are EGR people. That means extra grace required. And it's just, there are just people in this world who are harder to get along with, or people that rub you up the wrong way or you clash with a little bit. But when you put on the right clothes, you say, I'm going to bear with these people. And people in church need to do that because we're brought together as a community in church and some of us rub each other up the wrong way. 
And it's easy enough to say, well, I'm not going to have anything to do with that person, or I'll just be really short with them. But actually, what we need to do is put on these clothes and say, no, as a, in my new identity, I'm going to bear with this person. Because that's actually what it is to be a Christian. And then over all of it, kind of like uh, the overriding garment, like a big coat you put over the whole lot, you put on love, which binds it together in perfect unity. Now here's the thing. Sometimes we're, we're prone to not, not totally getting rid of the old. You know, we, we put stuff at the back of the wardrobe and then we reach in and we grab it and we put it on. But, but how ridiculous to, to, to put on clothes that have nothing to do with the new the new you, right? And, and someone else made this comment after the 9 o'clock. They said, sometimes we, we can wear layers. So on the outside, we're wearing uh, kindness. And on the outside, we're wearing um, uh, patience. But are we actually wearing another layer underneath anger? Are we wearing underneath another layer of greed? The layer that's actually closer to the skin, but not seen. Maybe occasionally it just gets people get a glimpse of that because we haven't actually put that to death. So we've got to put it on. We've got to dress accordingly. We've got to put on the clothes every day, get dressed again and again and again. And we've got to put on the attitude and the character and the choices that align with who you actually now are. Some of you maybe get up in the morning grabbing any old clothes, you're reaching in the back of the wardrobe, you're putting stuff on that should have gone out in the skin a long time ago. You've got to make the deliberate decision to get rid of some stuff and clean out your wardrobe and then put on the clothes that fit who you are. If I didn't mention it, one of them is forgiveness. Because again, how many Christians have unforgiveness in their lives? They refuse to forgive somebody. And they think it's okay. You know, because I've got some compassion, I've got some compliance. Kindness. So they put on some of the clothes, but they don't put on other clothes. You know, you got your favourite clothes in the wardrobe. You got your favourite T-shirts at the top. You got the other clothes down the bottom that you haven't worn. Actually, there's all these clothes, and one of those garments is forgiveness. We're instructed to put on forgiveness too. Um, there's a wonderful verse. If I go back to verse 11, it says, "Here, here, there is no Jew or Gentile." Slave or free or Scythian or barbarian, or circumcised or uncircumcised. What that's about? That's about identity. It's saying it's not that being a Jew or a Gentile no longer counts, or we have to forget our race. Or it doesn't mean that slave or free isn't something because those things still existed. But it's saying actually, when we come together, the thing that unites us is our identity in Jesus and who we are in Him. So we don't have the slaves over here and the and the, the slave owners, the free people over here, and, and they're just talking to these people because this is the better lot, and they leave the slaves to themselves because they're much lower class. And we don't have the Gentiles over here and the, the Jews over here, and they're saying, well, we're just going to stick with our kind, and we're going to stick with our group. But the, those things are no longer the primary thing that defines our identity. What defines our identity is who we are in Christ and who he's made us to be. The final part of this passage, it finishes by saying this. It says this beautiful verse, verse 17. And whatever you do, oh, no, I don't know, I missed this. But it talks about two things. <laughs> Go back to this. Um, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and let the, um, let the message of Christ dwell in you richly. 
And let the message of Christ dwell in your riches as you teach and admonish one another, as you sing uh, psalms and hymns. This is about doing church together. This is about encouraging one another and teaching one another and even admonishing one another. This is about actually, we actually do this together, not alone. And then we go into verse 17. It says this, Whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So, for some of you here, one of your primary responsibilities is to be a mother. A mother to your young children. Go and do that uh, as though um, you're serving the Lord. And some of you here, your role is to be is to be a father, and maybe in being a father, you're finding it really difficult to deal with one of your kids and you clash and it's not easy. Well, if that's the case, go and do what you need to do in the name of the Lord Jesus. And in your workplace. Maybe some of you are a boss over people and you're going to go to work tomorrow and you've got a big work thing planned, you've got a big project you're working on, whatever it is. Go and do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Some of your grandparents, your role is to, to sort of you're caring for your and trying to guide gently in a new way, your adult children and caring for grandchildren. Go and do that in the name of the Lord Jesus. Some of you are employees and you've got a boss over you who may be great or it may be different. But as you go tomorrow back to work, go and do that in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do everything you do in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God the Father. I'm going to ask the band to come up now. And I want to pray because this morning my hope is that out of this, that maybe God has stirred something in you this morning where you go, there is some clothing that I've been grabbing from the back of the wardrobe that should have been thrown out in the bin a long time ago, and I keep putting it on, and this morning you're reminded of something that you need to put to death in your life. And I'm going to pray that God will strengthen you to do that. Or maybe there's something that you go, man, there's, a, there's some clothing that reflects the new identity that I'm instructed to clothe myself with, but I find it really hard to put on, and I haven't been wearing that clothing for a long time. And I need to put on compassion, or I need to put on kindness, or I need to put on humility, or I need to put on forgiveness. My prayer this morning is that God will strengthen you and equip you and, and just speak to you in a way that you are encouraged. But the things that are up for grabs this morning, that, that you can actually step into your true identity and be who you are so that you can live your life as you should for Jesus. So let me pray for you this morning. Father, I want to thank you for your word. I want to pray for anyone this morning that is just reminded of some part of their life that is not in any way reflective of their true identity. That they've allowed in their life part of them to just get covered in the muck and in the temptation that comes from the evil one, and there is something that they need to put to death in their life. Because spiritually they've died to it. And it no longer has any bearing on how you view them, on how you view us, because we are holy and blameless in your sight because of the cross. So if there's anything that this morning you need to put to death, I want you to pray and say, God, help me to put this to death in my life. Holy Spirit, come and work something in my life to break the bonds down. And guide me, Lord, in how practically I can make a change that might lead to that. If there's something you need to take up, put on the beautiful clothing 
available to us. The beautiful clothing that reflects that we are dressed according to who we actually are. And help us to put on that clothing this morning. And if there's one part of that clothing this morning as you heard that, you thought, man, I need to, I, I haven't been wearing that for a while. Then Lord, by your spirit, may you come and help each person here to put on that garment and express it in their life. And to do so maybe in the relationship that tests that the most, wherever that is or whoever that is. Lord, come and bring change in our lives by your spirit at work in us, by your word speaking to us. And may we live for your glory, Jesus name. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.